0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network.
0: ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information pack, Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now.
2: Hello, party partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power. It is Star Style, Be The Star You Are, a program of positive book talk with authors and experts that help you excel in life. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney, And we are so delighted to be your personal growth success coaches here on the Airways with you every week. So grab something to drink, get ready to pump your energy. And you're going to live your dreams while you are here on this show with us because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, bubbling with enthusiasm and inspiration and motivation and tools for daily living. Well, coming right up in our Tea for Two, A Mother, Daughter, Bruce segment, Heather and I are going to be explaining tools of the trade for female entrepreneurs and how you can use them to launch your dream career. In segment two, I'm going to be talking about the plight of students losing great teachers and the bad teachers that are being retained because of tenure. I call it brain drain. And then, of course, we'll have some humor um, thrown in on segment three when actress, comedian, and author Amber Carlins joins us. And she's going to share her hysterical stories in her book, My Year of Living Fearlessly, a full year of Pushing herself to the ultimate limits. It's pretty funny. So you turn up the volume. Facebook your friends. Tell them to tune in. And you can have fun here on our Power Hour. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions. Coaching you to be the star of your own life and to be your best self. So for a private session, call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Or visit star-style.com. And this is from Thomas Edison. I've realized that most of my best ideas have followed a good night's (laughs) sleep. I I chose this miracle moment today, Heather, because I was like tossing and turning, I think, all night long. We're going to be launching a new radio program for teens coming up in just a few weeks called Express Yourself on Voice America Kids Network. And so today is our big rehearsal day. So, you know, it's like I've been going through all the last-minute details, and I actually didn't have that good of a sleep because I was running through the show (laughs) over and over. So, but on to our entrepreneurial women. You know, if you can imagine it and you can research it, you can plan it, you can finance it, those are the four most important steps that a woman needs to start up her entrepreneurial venture. Now, it sounds easy, but is it really? So, Heather, what's on your hot list? Tell us what those indispensable steps are to get what you want out of uh, life, and you know, to decide what it is you want and and get it all. Exactly. So, and this is especially
3: for that woman um, entrepreneurial. So, it's something sort of like you have this. Great idea, and you're ready to dive in. But before you can take that big plunge, we really want you to kind of consider these next four steps and see if you have the time, money, and willing to deal with the potential, uh, willing to deal with the potential heartache you might, might encounter. The first thing is imagine it. Um, really try to figure out what you want to do and. Surprisingly enough when I was researching this, um, that uh, Barbara Corin and she is uh if you've ever seen the show The Shark Tank. It's the show where big time executives, these people come and they pitch their ideas and these big executives um put their own money if they want to invest in it. And she had the advice that um you don't have to be passionate about your particular product or service. Um you just have to think it's some you just have to be um you know present yourself as passion for it and see that there's a success market and be good at it. See if um if the business is a good fit for your own life. Um, that's something if you go to SBA.gov, um, it's a small it's a small business administration thing that kind of gives you tips, helps you find out um, if there's a need for what you're uh, what you're trying to launch um, as well as if there's something that's already out there, which brings it to the next thing of researching it. Um to determine if your idea, your concept, or this business you want to start, um, find out there's a real market for it. Something that a lot of people do is we're afraid to ask people. If you have an idea or a concept, you know, you want to launch um, a nail polish that smells like candy, tell everyone. We sort of have this thing that we're afraid to share our ideas because we're afraid that someone may steal them. But telling people is how we're going to get our greatest um it's sort of a field research. If you think you have this great idea, it may only be great for you and maybe your mom. So a lot of times share your idea. Find out if there is that interest If people say, oh my God, yes, I oh a, a candy flavored nail polish would be so cool. Or if people are thinking that that wouldn't sell. You know, really find out um, you know share your ideas with people, your friends, your family, strangers Um, Because if you're the one that's making that activeness, a lot of times, you know, someone's not going to go out and steal it. You need to find if there is that need for
2: it. Also, there may already be an existing concept. Heather, I just wanted to say before you go further on that one, you know, when people come to me for coaching all the time, they'll have like this great idea for a book. And then when I ask them about the book, they'll say to me something like, oh, well, but, you know, I really can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody because I don't want anybody to steal it. So what you just said is so important is I just want to encourage people that nobody can do whatever you're going to do the same way you're going to do it. And the the real key to after you have imagined it, and I know you're going to get to this point, is you got to go into the action because how many people do we talk to who say I had that idea first, but of course they did nothing. Exactly, and you know the whole thing is you may
3: have not had that idea first. I know just recently I was on a trip, and for the bajillion time, um, I was untangling my headphones. And I just had this thought of like, how does this happen? What what goes on when I put my headphones in my bag, but every day I take them out, and they they seem to find new ways of knotting themselves up. And I thought I came up with the most brilliant idea. I thought, oh my god, what if there was a retractable headphone set that you know, you sort of sort of like um, what maybe think of it as an iron that there's a cord that you pull it out, you connect it to the wall, and when you're all done, you push the button and it and it sucks back in. I just thought, oh, my gosh, I am so smart. When I get home, I, I am going to be a millionaire. And by telling, you know, my friends, I say, oh, yeah, that's a cool idea. You know, sort of showing a little bit of interest. But I decided, you know, I wanted to Google it to find out. And sure enough, I was not the first. It's been out for years, and they have it. Oddly enough, I guess there must not be the need because, you know, no one has them. But I thought it was a great idea. But it turns out my idea um, was already thought up and already being sold. So it really, you know, as she's saying is, you may think you're the original, but you may not be. And that's another thing, that the internet is a great thing. You can Google yourself to find out things, as well as Google the potential, um, thing or concept you're trying to think of, um, or see if there's something similar, because, you know, you don't want to come out and thinking you have the newest, latest, greatest, and find out that there's someone already, and, and now it looks like you're trying to, um, you know, that you're trying to do what someone has already done before you. The next and, you know, is, I
2: wanted to just say something yeah. else, too, is that if people uh, want to really get into it, if you you really do have to focus on your idea and put some time into it. So you might want to just decide that you're going to take 5 to 15 minutes every single day to focus on whatever this new um, adventure and venture is and write down what counts most about it? And even, as I said, five minutes, it's better than nothing. When you start small, you start building momentum. Exactly. And that kind of leaves my next thing is plan it. Next up, write
3: your business plan. And most business plans include your objectives, a uh, description of the business, a market analysis, an analysis of the startup and day-to-day costs, as well as the marketing and sales strategies, and any kind of organizational plan. Uh, if you're hoping to receiving outside funding you want to be have this sort of market plan as well as you need to realize um, the factors that going into it. Many women actually um, mistake not factoring in the pay for their time and effort all this time that you're you know writing these things that you're working on that a lot of times people you know they don't consider their day to day tasks as something that you should be paid for. So if when you're making um, this business plan Consider all the time and effort that you have to consider yourself. Putting all this market research you're doing, you need to be compensated for that. You're going to need these tools. So if you're looking for financial backing, include yourself on that because there's so many costs um, that people don't factor in and especially
1: yourself work with that.
3: Um, And I'm glad you
2: say that, Heather, because I am absolutely the worst at doing that. Every time I'm putting together any kind of budget or business plan, I'm always thinking about the greater good, and I'm the last person I think about. (laughs) And so now I've gotten into – I've just been doing a new budget for another project, and I'm actually now giving it to – um a, a business accountant to look at and say what's missing here and every time they say you you're missing you have to put your your fees in here like that and that you know,
3: and that kind of brings to the last thing of financing it um which is a key thing unfortunately a lot of things don't get off the ground because of financial costs and a lot of times it's that whole thing you know you gotta spend money to make money, if you are, being an entrepreneur can be rewarding and very successful but it can also be very risky as well as um, money draining and for a lot of people and especially women consider, you know, the, making this uh, business plan and financing sort of like how you lay out financial planning for your child's college fund per se. And a lot of times, a lot of startup um, phases—the first thing um, launching your company might come from, you know, your own credit card, uh, cash, uh, talking with family and friends, you know, kind of getting people to invest in your company. Um, only about three percent and five percent of women um, are able to get solid, you know, right off the bat uh, financial, you know, financial uh, support from a big name company. So really, kind of put in that thing. Is this something that, um, you know, as you said earlier, you know, devoting a little bit each day. If you're really passionate about it, do you have a financial planning that you could leave your current job and devote all your time for this? Are you going to take out a loan? Um, you know, what is your your plan B? Are you going to, you know, do you have the ability to finance it now? If you are still going to have to be working at the same time, are you going to be able to have the time and energy to be devoting to your side? project as well. Really kind of think of um, these financial things. Are you able to take out a loan? Uh, There's so many um, websites out there that are um, definitely just towards women entrepreneurs. Um, One is called uh, uh, springboardenterprises.org and um, we can post some stuff on the website to connect people and it kind of really just shows, you know, not sugarcoating anything. Um, but has other various sites and organizations that you can go to for information for free, uh, business planning and analysis stuff. You know they can, that give us can give that website again, Heather. Springboard, Spring, um, so Springboard Enterprises. So it's Springboard E N or Spring. Sorry, SpringboardEnterprises.org, and if you, there, there's going to be various uh, links on it. But if you go to uh, spring, SpringboardEnterprises.org/learning. Um, you'll get the insight of all the kind of uh, financial stuff that goes into it and how they kind of, they help kind of phase out for you, they kind of give you step-by-step plans on how you can achieve your goals and, and the, again, the realistic, the financial thing, stuff that they can help calculate um, what potentially it may cost you to, you know, get this dream off the ground. A lot of times, you know, people have great ideas, um, but there's just, it, it to start it is a very financial so, you know, if you have a great product and you really believe in it, as again, talk with people, try to find network to connect with the right people. It may, you know, have to be something that in order for your dream to be funded, uh, you might have to be willing to um, give some, you know, the potential stock-wise or percentage of your income or the creative stuff away. Um, it all really depends on what, you know, what you're willing to um, give up, the sense of control. Or if you're fortunate enough to have that funding, go out there and do it. Again, really make sure um, it isn't, you know, as I said, that you want to be passionate about it, but make sure it isn't just your passion. Make sure there is a need for it. You know, you may love unicorn stamps, but the rest of the world may not. So make sure, you know, your, your passion isn't, you know, your dream isn't going to become a nightmare because there doesn't really seem to be a need for it. And and this you don't is
2: want be great upset. information, Heather, and I'll post on uh, the StarStyleRadio.com under today's show. I'll post SpringboardEnterprises.org forward slash learning so that all of you can go and uh, see about it. And I just want to leave you with something that Stephen Covey said, and I think it really applies to the female entrepreneurs as well as everyone. And it's you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage Pleasantly, smilingly, not apologetically, to say no to other things. And then the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside (laughs) of you. So I wish all of you to be great entrepreneurs. Heather, do you want to give out the websites? Most
3: definitely to check out um, our website, our awesome new banner, as well as any other website that can help any of you entrepreneurs out there. Go to beautastarur.org,
2: beautastarur.com as well as comedyclutches.com, both with the K. And when we come back from break, we're going to be talking about brain drain and what's going on in our school systems and how we are retaining the, the bad teachers and getting rid of good teachers and what we can do about it. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
2: Studies reveal that when someone meets you for the first time, 80% of that first impression has absolutely nothing to do with the words you speak. Fifty percent of that first impression is through your body language and your personal appearance. Thirty percent is the tonality of your voice and the energy you project. Therefore, only twenty percent is dependent on your words. In order to make a great first impression, we have to practice boosting our levels of energy and enthusiasm, having a high quotient while transforming our body language to project confidence and interest in the other people. As you interact with another person, watch his or her body language and tailor your conversation to reflect that. You know, we only have one shot at a first impression, and that imprint may be the difference between success or rejection. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For coaching and consulting, call 925 377-7827, 3777827 or visit starstyle.us
0: Be the star you are. org. you're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
2: Well, thank you for staying with us right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and listen. Our purpose in providing you this radio program is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, producer, director, and star of your life. I want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and wacky. Those seem to be the rules and tools that make everyone successful. Also, want you to read good books. Uh, as an author, I have several bestsellers: Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, Be the Star You Are for Teens, The Business of uh, Show Business, and Miracle Moments. You can pick them up at starstyleradio.com under Store. And you can get autographed copies plus free gifts when you buy there. I'm also writing more things, and I'm very excited to be editing. And I'm the editor and teen coach for the newspaper uh, column called Teen Scene. So I work with teens editing um, their works and get them published. It's really great. And as I said earlier in the show, very, very soon – we're going to be launching a new radio show with teens called Express Yourself. You can get a sneak preview at btsya.com. That's B is in boy, T is in Tom, S is in Sam, Y is in yellow, and A as in Apple Be The Star You Are. It is brought through the airwaves through Be The Star You Are charity. And our teens, we have two hosts and five field reporters. It's going to be really fun. And it's a show for, about, and with teens. So if you are a teen and you want to get in touch, uh, you can contact us and you can send us your ideas. Uh, Just go to btsya.com and you will see what it is we're going to be doing. We're really, really, really excited about that. And speaking also of other things that are happening, the 8th Annual Essay Contest is now in full uh, swing. So you can enter the essay contest. There is a small donation fee to enter, but you can win uh, dollars, an interview here on this show, books, etc., and more. And it's the topics are just really great. Again, you can go to bethestarur.org. And click on essay contest. You can also find it under events at starstyleradio.com. And you can also find it at the, the team site of express yourself at btsya.com. And, uh, emailing for the radio for that website is just btsya at gmail.com. So I'm always thinking about the brain drain that's happening in america why are we firing great teachers why are we keeping the bad ones our children really deserve a great education and we do have the ability to give it to them however with some of the strong uh, teachers unions and associations there's something that's called tenure and after you achieve it you can't be touched with a 10-foot pole no matter what it is you do and i find that to be really tragic I remember when I was in high school and I had the absolutely worst Spanish teacher in the history of the world. Why Mrs. Velasquez was hired in the first place is beyond my knowledge, and I'm changing the names to protect the guilty. But maybe it was because she had a Spanish-sounding last name. But I was a great student. I worked hard. I had already been an exchange student to Mexico, and so I spoke and wrote fluent Spanish-Mexican accent, but, that, but I did do it. And yet, in this class, I was getting a D. I'd never had anything lower than like a B plus in my whole life. Uh, you know, I mean, I really worked hard. And if I got a bad grade, I got so upset with myself. So instead of hiding it from my parents, I went to my folks and I said, you know, will you go with me and talk to this teacher? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Um, I get everything right on the, the tests, but, you know, I'm almost flunking. When we went in to visit her, she applauded my parents and told them how brilliant I was. And I was the smartest kid in the whole class. And they had nothing to worry about because I was getting the best grade in the class. Everyone else was getting an F, and she was giving me a D. And when we dug a little deeper, what we found out is she just didn't believe in A's, B's, and C's. So if you were really a stellar student, you got a D. And if you didn't live up to those expectations, you, she gave you an F. And as you can imagine, she was a terrible teacher, and it was it was just it was brutal to go to her class every single day. Finally, the next uh, semester she was gone. So I think there was enough complaints from from parents that people not only weren't learning Spanish, but they were flunking when that this was an AP class. So. Why can't we get rid of teachers like that today? There are so many policies that are in place right now that make school districts keep bad teachers. And in these economic times when school districts are having to cut the budgets, unfortunately, the first people to get pink slipped. Is um, are the new ones, are the new hires. It's because of a pervasive policy known as last in, first out. LIFO, as the policy is called, dictates that when a teacher layoff occurs because of budget cuts, the last teachers hired have to be the first ones fired, regardless of the quality of their work. Now, some of these uh, teachers have gone through the ones that have been laid off are not only fabulous teachers, they've gone through rigorous processes of getting national board certification. Now, many of them might have moved to a different city or even a state to take the job. And, you know, they're not ready to pack their boxes and leave. And what's sadder yet is that this is happening to thousands of good teachers around the country where LIFO last spring was really put in to work and the kids this, um, in the fall, when, as they headed back to school with these budgets still in disarray, the kids were facing the fact of having teachers that were not as good. And aside from the loss of the sheer manpower, this is a very antiquated policy and it hurts our children in several ways. Because when districts make seniority the sole criteria for layoffs, for layoffs, they actually wind up losing some of their most effective teachers. There was a study by researchers at the Urban Institute, and it found that only 13% to 16% of teachers laid off in a seniority-based system would have lost their jobs based on an evaluation of their effectiveness in the classroom. So what's even worse is LIFO disproportionately affects the disadvantaged schools and disadvantaged students because schools that are located in low-income communities are typically staffed with the newest teachers. It's hard to to retain teachers in troubled school districts. So the very ones targeted under last-in-first-out rules, they, they will have to, these teachers have to leave and unfortunately, it is the kids that lose. So what LIFO does is creating more teacher turnover at those schools, and it exacerbates the achievement gap between the poor kids and their wealthier peers. And then, of course, the LIFO is inefficient because new teachers get paid a lot less. So more of them have to be laid off to get to the required budget cuts. And while, though, there are facts that support eliminating LIFO, the most powerful argument is simple – our kids just deserve good teachers, and they deserve the best teachers. And that means what we need to do is evaluate each teacher individually based on their performance in the job, not just on their years on the job. So this LIFO definitely has to go. And as I would like to see go, too, is I do think that, that the teachers' unions have to change their policy of tenure as well because there are incidences where the, these teachers who have tenure are not only rude and disrespectful, I'm not saying all of them obviously, but there are cases where they have become really bad teachers, bad influences, they're not teaching their kids and they're not caring anymore but because of the rules they are kept. So we really have to change some of, of these laws. Teachers are the most important school-based factor for student learning, and it, the teachers are more important than the class size So, or even more important than the dollars that we have in the system. So any parent knows, and the numerous researches have documented it. In fact, studies published by Stanford University found that if a child in the first grade has an ineffective teacher He or she will learn half as much in a year as she would with a good teacher. And if they have an ineffective teacher three years in a row, they will probably never catch up. So knowing what's at stake and how students suffer, shouldn't we really be showing effective teachers how to stay in the job and showing the ineffective ones the door? Let's get rid of the bad teachers and let's keep the good teachers." And that's all I really have to say about it. But I get so disheartened when I meet some people who are teachers who really don't care about the students and who are only there just to get a paycheck. We need to retire them early and have some good, good quality teachers because there's lots of people who care about young people. And the more that I work with young people, and I've been working with them since the 80s, the more attuned you you know, I am to wanting to give these kids a voice to knowing how intelligent they are, how much they have to offer, how much good they bring. It's, you know, it is redundant to say that kids are our future, but that is the truth. And if we don't show them the way through actions and proper teaching methods, then they are not going to become the leaders that they could be. Those you touch, you change. Did you know that your money likely has traces of cocaine on it. A study by uh, Jack Dermergian of the Argonne National Laboratory revealed that a full 78% of the currency circulating in Miami and other major U.S. cities actually carries traces of cocaine. I I would imagine that's true elsewhere, too. But they were only looking for cocaine in this study. And I it made me start to think, what else can you find on dollar bills? Of course, you're going to find fast food products and you're going to find grease or mustard or ketchup, coffee and tea. I think that's also, you're probably going to find lipstick from purses, um, and ink. You know, some people even write their notes on it. And there might be other indistinguishable uh, stains on money. But what's more, we're told that if you look closely enough, You can even learn something about where the money has been. You know, you can learn whether it's been to the store, to the beach, or hidden under a mattress. Just about anything that comes into contact with money leaves a little bit of itself behind. So when you rub, when the bills rub up against each other in a wallet, they share contaminants and then everything the bills touch will be changed, however slightly. And I find that interesting because it's a good paradox or a good metaphor. How it is with all of us as human beings. Everything we touch is changed. You know, the oils from our hands can change the quality of anything that we touch. You know, it's not, you've probably polished uh, copper or brass before and you're told to put gloves on because if you polish it and then put your hands on it again, you'll leave a mark. Well, everybody is touched when anything that we touch we change other people and even if we're not infected with something contagious because I'm not just talking about a physical touch I'm also talking about how we touch people with minds and spirits and hearts and everybody we speak to everybody we rub shoulders with everybody we smile at or we don't smile at is changed in some minute way and these changes can be helpful they can be hurtful and it always depends on us, on what the interaction is going to be. But it's like leaving a piece of ourselves behind with everyone that we meet. And we always take a piece of ourselves with them. And even little changes make a difference because no one at all, no one is insignificant. If you think you are too small to be effective, you haven't been bitten by a mosquito. You've probably heard that, the, the, the mosquito and the elephant thing. So you don't have to be a mosquito to have an effect on people around you. But the question is, what little part of yourself will you leave behind? And how will you influence? Will your encounter be thoughtful? Will it be hurried? Will it be helpful? Will it be harmful? Will it be intentional? Will it be accidental? There is something awe-inspiring about the influence we have on one another. And who we touch today and what we leave behind, that is the question that I like to leave you with. And with that, I hope that you'll consider picking up a copy of Be the Star You Are for Teens. And you can read more about the book at www.bethestarur.com. And this is a book that I penned, but uh, with 38 contributors, all young people. And it was very exciting to write because... I really do believe that these are simple gifts to living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. And when we do that, we can learn to make a difference. Now, a little bit earlier in this segment, I talked about smile, have fun, and be wild and crazy. Well, those are the rules that I live by in my life. Those are the rules of this show, and they're the rules I always put in all the books. And when I'm um, when I'm teaching a class or coaching, I tell people this, and then people get like, "What? You know, well, why do we have to have those rules?" Well, the point is is that when you're smiling, you can't be sad. And if even if you fake it till you make it and put a smile on your face, you're going to have more fun. And when you are playing. That means you're having fun and having fun is critical in life because it makes life more joyous and every day just a little bit better. And then being the wild and wacky, it really means taking measured risks in life. It's, it's important, critical that we do that. If we play it safe all the time, we're never going to grow as a person. And with that, I will, I'm going to end this segment because when we come back, we're going to have just a marvelous romp through the world of being fearless when you meet our author, Amber, who wrote the book My Year of Living Fearlessly and how she encountered the dangerous, the bizarre, the wild, and the wacky. And she did it, and now she is fearless. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
0: you mm-hmm.
2: Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827.
0: Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany.
2: Well, every week, Be the Star You Are showcases incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering families Women and youth at risk through improved literacy, increased positive message programming like this radio show, and tools for living because we believe that information infused with inspiration has the power to transform and change lives. Make a donation today. Visit be org. Well, thank you for staying here listening to us. You will be so happy you do. What would you do if someone told you that they thought you were living a small life? Oh, my goodness. What if that someone was your very own mother? Well, 24-year-old actress Amber Carlins voluntarily set out to face her fears for a full year after her mom expressed that sentiment. And each week for 52 weeks... Amber immersed herself in anxiety-riddle situations, and the result is her very humorous memoir, My Year of Living Fearlessly*. It is definitely a comedy. Welcome, Amber, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, you are definitely a comedian, very funny, self-deprecating, and you're a great writer. Oh, thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> Were you really that fearful of so many things? I and mean, it was like, oh my gosh! I mean, from you start off from before you were nine, you were like the world's greatest traveler. You, you truly could leap a, a building in a single leap, you, you know. And then all of a sudden, it was bugs and everything, knives, face mask, everything scared you. Tell us what happened, and then let's talk about this adventure of this whole year of living fearlessly. Absolutely. Well, I think that I just got sort of lazy. As you
1: said, I was very blessed growing up. I had the opportunity to travel a great deal. My father worked for a foreign airline, so we had a lot of really extraordinary opportunities when I was growing up to really see the world and just live a really big life, and and I got lazy. I stopped traveling. I got really immersed in school. I moved away and went to graduate school, and that sort of consumed my life, and I just stopped taking the time to push myself outside of my comfort zone and to test my limits and try new things. And my world just sort of got smaller. It wasn't on purpose or anything. It was one of those things that sort of happened slowly over a period of time. And before I knew it, my world had just gotten very, very small. Um, And definitely, it was more things than I had realized I was afraid of. When I first set out for the project, I thought, well, maybe I can come up with one thing a month. And before I knew it, I had 52 things, which is great and also sort of horrifying to realize that you'd let yourself get it to a place where there were that many things that you were afraid of. So it was definitely an eye-opener for me.
2: Well, more than an eye-opener, I just think it was really a fun, fun year as well. Because, first of all, I, you know, I wondered, and I don't think we're giving away anything if we actually jump to this, but, you know, it was having to live this big life until age nine, I was wondering what happened at age nine. And then you tell this at the end of the story or the end of the book, what actually happened. And you know, I think it's totally understandable.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you! I was so nervous about including that chapter in the book, so I'm glad that that resonated with you.
2: Yeah, it resonated, especially with all of, you know, with everything that has gone on since. However, with that said, it still doesn't it doesn't explain the 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 fact that you've used a butter knife until you were <laughs> age 24.
1: <laughs> I know it's sad. I am I am incredibly clumsy. It's not. As ridiculous as it sounds, I have literally filleted open a finger just opening a can of cat food. So it's sort of legitimate in that I am really very clumsy. And the idea of using very large knives, I was always sort of afraid I was going to chop off a finger. Um, but it definitely was one of those things that I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. I was 24 at the time, and I was like, it's, it's time officially to use a big girl knife.
2: Well, do you mind if we talk about some of these adventures? Because they were really, really funny. And I'm actually going to start with one that you're talking about going on this open call audition for a movie. And the reason I'm talking about it because I opened my National Wildlife magazine. And wouldn't you know it, an inspiring true story, Film Partnership, seeks to encourage people to protect dolphins with their habitat I guess the movie's just released. (laughs) It is. It came out last month. That's what it says. It is Dolphin Tale with Morgan Freeman and Harry Connick Jr. and Ashley Judd and Chris Christofferson and Amber Carlin. (laughs) It's
1: a very small part, but I'll happily take being included in that kind of company.
2: Well, I thought it was that was a very funny um a funny chapter as well because everybody dreams about being in the movies, etc. And you actually are a, an actor and a theater person and this was sort of just like a jump over to what the film, you know, being what the film was like, but your experience is so typical of open calls why don't you just share what what that was like because that was pretty funny oh
1: absolutely I'd be happy to I went down um, they were holding the auditions in Clearwater which is a town close to where I live and I got there a little early and I had been to open calls but they had always been theater calls before so I knew it might take a little while um, and I got there about half an hour beforehand so I could line up and I thought that was going to be enough time and by the time I get there there are literally hundreds Hundreds of people just surrounding this building, and it's literally at least 100 degrees outside. It's so, so hot, and they, for whatever reason, will not let us in the building. So we're just standing outside, and you're sweating, and it's gross and sort of pathetic, uh, and it's, it's sort of a weird compilation of people. It's a little bit like being at the DMV for like six hours uh so we waited outside for i'd say about two hours and they eventually were just like okay we're literally going to have dead people on our hands if we keep making them wait outside in this heat So we should probably let them inside so they you know corralled us in and we were all really packed tightly into this theater and just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then finally they go and they get me and they bring me in front of the casting director and i think all right great you know i'm going to really have my time i've been waiting about three and a half hours and it is literally i hand her paperwork she looks at me she snaps a photo and i leave so i waited for three and a half hours for essentially a three and a half second audition
2: well and this is exactly what it's like you know all the time and i love, but i thought the funny thing was is some of the people that you encountered well so this is just one of the theater things but some of the the scary things you swam with sharks you wrestled an alligator you had a python around your neck you went skydiving. You went in the bayou. You did a comedy club, which it turns out you're really, really, really good at that. <laughs> Thank you. And, and it was a big surprise to me. You got to hold all those leaves. And I loved the pictures on your website, especially with that leaf bug, because I had never seen one either. I'm assuming that was the leaf bug. It is. How cool is that bug? That bug is so cute. My Year of Living com. You've got to check out her video and and her, her photos, because we're talking to author, comedian, actor, Amber Carlins, and her book is My Year of Living Fearlessly. But you went pole dancing, belly dancing you met with the the hokiest psychic i think in the world (laughs) yes i would absolutely agree with you on that one Uh, (laughs) you got caught in a straitjacket you learned to throw knives you you did trapeze act you ate fire i i'm going to tell you my two favorites though you were a mermaid i loved it that you were a mermaid it sounds like you almost drowned, but your picture your picture is beautiful. You made a beautiful mermaid. Oh, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> it was definitely, everyone else, I think it was like the most amazing experience of their lives, and I was really the only one almost drowning, but it was definitely such a neat thing. I'm so glad I did it, um, and I think now I, I'm definitely much better. I was very grateful for that experience when it came time to swim with the sharks, because I had sort of made my peace with the face mask by the time I got to the sharks, which was good, because... You know, you've got sharks to worry about, so you don't need to be freaking out about a face mask on top of it.
2: Well, that chapter was actually really, really frightening. I think most people would be just terrified to go into a tank with sharks and with those whale sharks that are, what, like 50 feet long or something? I mean, they were enormous. I think the
1: largest one is 66 feet, but the ones at the aquarium were generally around 50 feet. But they are huge. It's like 10 of me all stacked up in a row.
2: Well, and then you said that the sawfish fish was like your scariest. It was like it was like a chainsaw coming at you.
1: I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's literally just basically it's a swimming fish with a mouth that is a chainsaw. If you put it next to a chainsaw, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And they just appear out of nowhere. And they're so scary. I've just never seen anything like it. But they were very nice and they generally hung out at least ten feet below me, so it wasn't as bad as it would have been, but definitely I'd take a shark over a large tooth sawfish any day of the week.
2: Now can you go can you go into the ocean a little bit further than waiting now? Or are you still a (laughs) little bit Absolutely. I resumed my right as a proper Floridian so I can uh can get in now.
1: After that very little seems scary after swimming with five different species of sharks. The the Florida waters don't seem so bad.
2: Well, it's still, I mean, I know that there was a group of you, but you know, sharks are unpredictable. That's why they're sharks. I mean, you know, we don't know what they're going to do. So even if there's somebody right there, you were not in a cage. You were actually swimming with them. The most, the most frightening thing that you did, because pretty much I am like a daredevil. I guess I should give full disclosure. Uh, I do, I, you know, by the time I was 21, on my 21st birthday, I went skydiving and And I called my mom afterwards, and she said, Why didn't you call me first? I would have started praying for you. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: sounds like my mom threw a lot of this year.
2: Well, I love the fact that your mom was your official photographer and the commentary about your mom, you know, having you as you you are throwing knives or you're in a straitjacket and she's telling you to pose in certain ways. You can hardly move. I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, but my the-
1: mom apparently really is quite the budding photographer. She was she was killing me through that, but it was really hilarious to watch her. And at the end of the day, I was glad she was so neurotic about it. I mean, I wanted to strangle her when I'm trapped in a straitjacket and trying to escape, and she's saying, no, but look in the light. But after the fact, I was grateful because the pictures are much better because of it, and I obviously needed photographic evidence because I don't think anybody would have believed that I did any of these things without the photographic proof.
2: No, you know, I think that was the smartest thing that you did. Now, the one thing, there was one thing in there that did scare me, and I thought, wow, you were really brave, and that was staying in the haunted hotel completely by yourself. <laughs> oh, it was insane. No, it's probably did, thing was- I didn't know what I was getting into when I
1: went, because I just assumed they would have other guests. Uh, and Finding out that there was no one else there, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot else I could, I mean, I guess I could have left, but, you know, they were already gone, they locked up the hotel, I was just sort of by myself, and it was really terrifying, but after it was all said and done, I really, I wouldn't necessarily do it again, but I sort of enjoyed it, I was very proud of myself, and it was so much fun to write about, because I knew other people would be as sort of creeped out by it as I was.
2: Well, so did the did you the ghost from your room, the sweet prostitute, kiss you <laughs> on the cheek? I mean, I, I you never got to that part, did you? I know that you took some Benadryl so you could, <laughs> yeah, but you didn't want to be too slower, knocked up.
1: I I did not personally um, see that ghost that was supposed to be in my room. But there was talk of there being ghosts in other rooms that like to move furniture. And as I know you read, I did hear furniture moving around, which is really sort of creepy. And I kept c- trying to come up with any sort of logical explanation I could think of as to why that would be happening but it's sort of hard to explain furniture being moved when you're in a hotel all by yourself uh, and I did I left my bedroom door open to go to the bathroom which was across the hall and when I came back the door was shut so there was sort of some potentially paranormal activity uh, but the jury sort of still out for that as far as I'm concerned
2: But but wasn't this this particular hotel, it was featured on some television show too, right, for the haunted mansions and all that kind of stuff? Right, absolutely.
1: It's considered to be one of the most haunted places in the U.S. They have something like 20 active ghosts, at least theoretically, Um, and it's been the site of a number of murders and other sort of creepy things, and it was uh, around in the Civil War, and so it's got a whole lot of history
2: well i got to tell you that is that one I so applaud to me that was really, really brave. you didn't have your mom with you to photograph anything. You were completely alone and the the innkeeper was like, "Okay, well, now that you 've checked in i've I have gotten the ghost all, all ready for you and uh and I'll be out of here. Crazy? I
1: just, I couldn't even, I could not even believe it. I called home and I was like, you are not going to believe what's happening right now. They're all gone. It's just me. What am I supposed to do with this? And then, of course, I didn't have, There was no television and I forgot my computer charger. So there was nothing to distract me all alone by myself in this haunted hotel. It was definitely one of the scarier things I did.
2: Oh no that to me that was that was real for me that was the scary part because i've I been love in some
1: hearing the different things that people find to be scary because it's different every person i talk to you know they all And have
2: that's what stuff. i wanted to ask you what are you finding first of all let me just tell our listeners again that we are talking to Amber Carlins her book is My Year of Living Fearlessly and she's just the whole background is she just felt or well, her mother told her she was living a small life. She realized that maybe she was, and she was going to step up to the plate. So for 52 weeks, one adventure a week, she stepped way outside her comfort zone. And it's interesting that different people see it differently. So give us a little bit of feedback on how, what people think. I mean, I think the straight jacket's kind of scary, too.
1: I was definitely, the straitjacket was even scarier than I thought it was going to be once I was in it, because uh, the great Sandini who taught me was not particularly inclined to help me get out, so I felt more trapped than I expected to. Uh, a lot of people have really responded to the fire eating. That was definitely one of the scarier ones for me, um, and certainly the swimming with sharks. In fact, when I did it, I was at the aquarium looking into the tank I was about to get into, and a number of guys were watching, and I mentioned something about going in, and they were horrified and I sort of really fed off that energy of knowing that these big you know burly men were just like I you couldn't pay me enough money to do that Um, so a lot of people have really responded to the sharks Um, I've also gotten a lot of response it's definitely varied Um, the the plane thing I'm definitely very afraid of planes and I've had a lot of people say oh my
2: goodness I feel exactly the same way Um, you know it's how are you now with planes? I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I don't think that the, the quote-unquote therapy, that was like the worst <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. But yeah, it definitely wasn't terribly helpful. It's You know, it's
1: good to always still have things to work on, and I'm grateful that, you know, I could go through a year like this where I did do this many things. And I still have places to grow, and it's given me sort of the courage to work within that. And it's also been great, not with the planes specifically, but one of the things from this year was discovering that, some of the things I thought were going to be the scariest really weren't so bad, like walking on broken glass, I thought was going to be just horrifying and impossible and something I couldn't imagine myself actually doing.
2: Or uh, sleeping and or was... laying on those bedded nails, although I laughed at that one because you were more <laughs> afraid of the germs on the, <laughs> on the nails.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely come off a little neurotic in that chapter, <laughs> You no, know, I think definitely, that was it made me stand-up. realize that there were a lot of things that I didn't think I could do that I could do, like the stand-up comedy, which, in response to your earlier question, is also one that I hear a lot when people say that's like the scariest thing I can possibly imagine doing.
2: Well, the number one fear of, you know, the, the number one fear, as you already know, in life is public speaking, and uh, death is only number 3 so the that fact unbelievable? that unbelievable? It is unbelievable. I always say, well, gee, you could actually speak and die at the same time, you know, and I forgot what number two is right now, but I know number three is death. But in any case, the fact that now you actually can have a career in comedy, so that this whole year of doing things and pushing yourself to the limit, really did help you grow and do you feel brave now do you are you happier are you are you going to do you know and are you going to do a sequel <laughs> uh, <laughs> i would love to write another book i don't know exactly what it would be on but yes i definitely
1: i'm very happy and i do feel a lot braver whenever i look at something and I think, oh this just seems so scary. I'm so nervous. I stop myself and I'm like, wait a minute, you ate fire. You walked on broken glass. You're fine. <laughs> and so it's been, you know, a very helpful, um, very empowering experience for me.
2: Well, you know, and at, because I was reading your book, I found myself just being attracted or drawn to different scenarios and realizing what my own fear level would be, which I imagine readers when they read my year of living fiercely will um will will feel that way, too, because I've been a scuba diver my, well, not my whole life, but, again, since I was about 19, and I decided to put on my wetsuit that was made for me when I was 19, and it became like a straight jacket and I couldn't get out of it, and so I thought I'm like, two things, oh, my gosh, I could be getting eaten by a shark while I can't get out of my my wetsuit. Oh, I hope my did not make you more
1: scared. that would be Oh, no yeah, good. you...
2: You inspired me. Let's give out your website. It is myyearoflivingfearlessly.com. Again, you've been listening to Amber Carlins. You can hear how funny she is and how authentic. And this really is a romp on the wild side. I recommend it because we all need to live more fearlessly, don't we, Amber? I'd love you just to wrap it up. We're running out of time. But leave us with a final message.
1: Well, I hope that people will pick up the book and that they will be inspired to take on a journey like this of their own. You don't have to go crazy and eat fire or take a whole year, but I think that we can all stand to have a little more fearless in our day-to-day life, and I hope that your readers and your listeners will be inspired to do that.
2: And they will, and I'm going to eat fire because that's something I haven't done yet. So, (laughs) Amber Carlins, my year of living fearlessly. Thank you so much, Amber, for being with us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. And just keep being the star you are and live without fear.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time.
2: No, this has been great. Well, all of you, you go out and live fearlessly, too. We hope you have been encouraged, inspired, and motivated. And until we celebrate next week, my name is Cynthia Bryan. The show is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And we just want you to be the star you are. Go eat fire or jump in the ocean, swim with sharks, put on a straitjacket, whatever you do. Have fun, be wild and crazy. Thanks for joining me.